Father, we thank you for that great name of Jesus. Thank you. Father, a great price was paid to win the victory to obtain that name. And Father, I thank you that you not only paid the great price to obtain a name, but then you turned around and you gave the church, Father. You gave us access to that name, to use the name, Father. In your name, Father, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Father, you said in your word that it's, it's your name through faith in your name that makes people well. So, Father, we choose to utilize your name in faith. We thank you, Father, for the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that it's all-powerful and available to anyone in the church who will choose to wield it by faith. We thank you for these things, Father. And we give you all praise and honor, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, it's, uh, um, of course, we talk about the name of Jesus a lot, but one of the things that it would, it would help to remind us, to remind us about the name of Jesus is that our authority uh, resides where? In the name of Jesus, right? Uh, does it reside in um, uh, this physical Bible or in anointing oil or uh, anything else? Sometimes uh, people use, uh, you know, they use the Bible kind of like, you know, they've watched too many Hollywood movies, right? And they hold up the Bible against the devil and the devil's like, and, I mean, am I, what am I, it's a book, right? Uh, uh, but uh, we watch too many Hollywood shows, you know, to, sometimes and uh, hold up a cross, a crucifixion, you know, or something like that. And yet there's nothing that the Bible says that the crucifixion, you know, in fact, you know, uh, some scholars believe that it was never actually a T shape, you know, like a lowercase T, you know, it was more like a uppercase T, right? I mean, where there wasn't a, uh, and even some people don't even believe there was a crossbar on it. I don't really care or know, right? It was, he was hung up off the ground on a, on a pole of some kind, right? Did it look like a shape of a T? Probably did, but maybe it didn't, you know. Uh, it doesn't matter. The, the authority doesn't reside in that stick of wood that crucified the Lord Jesus, amen? Um, and it sure wouldn't have, I mean, the crucifix that people have around their chain, around the neck, that didn't come from the actual cross of Jesus, did it? Uh, and so there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of theater in the church sometimes. Uh, and, um, uh, and sometimes, you know, of course, we're not... Uh, trying to get anybody upset, uh, but sometimes people will, will claim the blood of Jesus as authority. You know, they'll, uh, they call it pleading the blood. I plead the blood of, Je of Jesus over the situation. Uh, and was the blood of Jesus powerful? It's power enough to, to uh, forgive every sin that ever was, amen? It's pretty powerful blood. But did Jesus give us his blood for authority? Did, did Peter say when he healed the man at the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3, did he say his blood through faith in his blood uh, healed this man? No, he said uh, his name through faith in his name has made this man whole. Uh, and so sometimes we misplace our uh, faith. Uh, you know, it sounds good, but it's, if it's not based upon biblical statements, it's not faith, actually. It's just, it's religion, right? It's philosophy. Uh, and so uh, sometimes people will plead the blood in demonic situations, right? You know, Jesus said, in my name they shall what? Cast out devils. He didn't say, by my blood they shall cast out devils. Now the blood of Jesus causes you to be cleansed from all sin, right? And it's what uh, paid for you to get into the kingdom of heaven, which allowed you to then have access to the name of Jesus. And that's, of course, fine, right? We're not diminishing the power of the blood at all. Uh, but uh, it's like anything, you know, uh, we have to follow the plan that God gave us. Amen. And so if, if we misconstrue the plan of God and we, we start using things uh, like I, I think I've told you before, I was in Africa and, and uh, we were on a missionary trip and one of the other ministers took his Bible and laid it on somebody to cast the devil out. Well, that looks good, right? And it's kind of, you know, it, I mean, it's something it seemed like some uh, scene you would see in Hollywood, right? Oh, he laid his Bible on there. You know, that Bible cast the devil out. But did the Bible ever give us this physical book to cast out devils? And so could you have faith in that? Well, you can't have faith in that because there's no biblical basis for that faith, right? All our, all our faith has to be based upon the Word of God and not just on events. Well, what if it worked? I mean, you know, sometimes the, the mercy of God kicks in and He overlooks our, our ignorance and, and will allow something to occur. And so, in that, so I'm not saying it would never, ever work, but you can't have faith in it, amen? 
Uh, and so, so let's just have faith the way the Word of God teaches to have faith. Amen. If he says in his name, through faith in his name, that's how people get healed, then let's use his name. Amen. Uh, and if it, at his name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, then let, let's use his name. Amen. Uh, and uh, let's, let's, uh, uh, let's be effective in our faith. Because uh, what happens oftentimes, people will use things that are not uh, based on scriptural principles and it won't work and it actually defeats their faith. Well, maybe God doesn't want me to be, to be healed or be delivered because I did things, I did stuff and nothing happened. And so maybe God just wants me to remain that way. Uh, so let, let's uh, find out what the word of God says. Let's follow the plan in the word of God and let's do it his way and we'll have greater success. Amen. Uh, and so let's turn over to Romans chapter 15. And so we're continuing in, in the book. Of course, this is uh, T.J. McCross's book um, called uh, The Bodily Healing and the Atonement. And it was written about 100 years ago. And he was a, he was a, a um, Bible scholar in that time. And I believe he was a Presbyterian uh, pastor. And they got uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, uh, like many uh, people who received the Holy Spirit, start speaking in tongues, he was encouraged to move on, right? <laughs> to preach somewhere else. And so he ended up preaching in a Pentecostal church after that. Uh, but at that time, you know, a hundred years ago, uh, and this happens on occasion, there was a lot of intellectualism trying to come into the church. And intellectualism, when it comes into the church, wants to do away with all this, the supernatural aspect of God. Uh, and um, I think it was Thomas Jefferson, you know, Thomas Jefferson, the president, wrote, uh, wrote a Bible he didn't actually translate a Bible. He just copied and pasted, cut and pasted from other translations. Uh, but when he did that, he removed all the, all the miracles of Jesus. Because, well, that's not important, right? So, so he just put in the, the, the uh, words of Jesus that would tell you how to live a moral life, which there were plenty of those. But you can't hardly uh, remove the, the uh, miracles of Jesus without changing the intent of why Jesus came to the earth. And so, uh, but the, uh, intellectualism tries to get into the church and remove speaking in tongues, you know, uh, uh, oftentimes the Pentecostal churches are kind of looked down upon as being, well, you know, you're not nearly as sophisticated as we are, you know. Uh, and, uh, well, that makes uh, Jesus not very sophisticated, right? Because, I mean, he's the one who gave us the ability to speak with other tongues. Uh, and so they try to remove the supernatural aspect out of it. Uh, and, uh, and they do it oftentimes by, uh, you know, looking down upon uh, those who who yield to the supernatural, who, who enjoy the supernatural, who believe for the supernatural. Uh, and, and so they come out with all kinds of doctrine. Uh, and uh, if you read their doctrine, it doesn't make any sense oftentimes, right? They'll just take a, a verse out of context uh, and they'll build this entire story over this, over this verse. And anytime people do I want to raise my hands like, well, well, what about this verse? You know, what about that part of the verse that you just overlooked? Or what about... Uh, and so it doesn't withstand any scrutiny. In fact, we'll look at an example here uh, in just a minute that Dr. McCrossan uh, discussed. And so uh, many years ago, the Lord just placed in my heart that it would be good to look at um, some books that our forefathers wrote in relation to healing uh, and see what the Lord has taught them over the years and add that to our faith. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't know which, how many books now we've gone through, uh, lots of different books uh, and, and we don't believe it just because it's said. We believe it if it lines up with the Word of God. Amen. And so, uh, but, I, but I've enjoyed this, uh, this series of going through these books because uh, they have a lot of revelation. You know, this is, he wrote this 100 years ago. Sometimes we think, uh, in fact, I didn't mention it this morning. I'll probably mention it next Sunday. But when we were talking today about the thorn in the flesh, uh, when I started studying that years ago and realizing that the thorn in the flesh was found in the Old Testament, and that it's, it was uh, always meant to discuss uh, people that are bothering you. I thought, man, that's great. Nobody has ever seen that before. I'm amazing, right? Uh, I have so much revelation. Nobody else gets this. And then I was reading F.F. Uh, uh, F. Bosworth's book, was written in, in 1923 or so. That, that was over 100 years ago. And he said, yeah, the thorn in the flesh is found in the Old Testament. You know, you go look it up. It's, it's always talking about people. Wow, you know, he had that 100 years ago, and I didn't even know it. Uh, and uh, rediscovered it. How many revelations have we, we, quote, rediscovered that our forefathers knew about that if we would read after them uh, and we could learn that revelation without having to spend 10, 20, 30 years on our own to get that, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so here in uh, Romans chapter 15, let's start in verse 18. So we're in, in the section of the book here, we're in uh, uh, 
the, the division, he, he didn't break it down in chapters, he broke it down in divisions. And so this first division is why every Christian should take Jesus as their healer. And he's, and he's going through reason number four. Uh, and so reason number four is that it's the same Holy Spirit and the power today that Jesus had when he was on the earth. It's not a different Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit operating in the church today. Uh, and so uh, he starts out here in Romans chapter 15. Uh, is, let's start in verse 18. He says, For I, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ had not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about uh, unto Elycrium, uh, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Uh, and so he said that he, he of course, Paul uh, said that his ministry was to the Gentiles and Peter's ministry was to, was to the Jews. And so he said here that he uh, went to the Gentiles and brought them uh, the gospel, right? That he has fully preached the gospel. It says he preached it through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. And we know that that power, the word power there uh, in verse 19 is the Greek word dunamis, right? Which is a supernatural miracle work and power of God. So uh, the English word power in the New Testament is usually translated from one, one or two Greek words. It's either uh, the Greek word dunamis, which means supernatural miracle work and power, or uh, it's uh, uh, the Greek word for uh, exousia, for authority. And it's important to know in the context which Greek word that he's talking about. So Paul is saying, of course, you know, he, he kind of gives it away by saying through mighty, uh, through mighty signs and wonders by the, by the power of the Spirit of God. So in this section, Dr. McCross is making the point, look, if Jesus was operating in the power of God and then uh, he carried that right on into the establishment of the church and now Paul is, is uh, preaching the gospel through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, then first of all, if he's preaching the gospel that way, then how should we preach the gospel? Same way, right? Should we uh, change how Paul was preaching the gospel? I mean, it seemed like it was pretty effective for Paul. Why would we uh, need to change that? Of course, a lot of, a lot of the doubt and unbelief crowd say, well, it was only necessary to establish the church. Uh, well, there's no doctrine for it. There's no Bible that says as soon as the church is established, we're going to cut off all the supernatural, all the good stuff, and we're going to become the moose lodge, right? We're just going to have secret handshakes and wear fuzzy hats and not have any miracles going on anymore, right? Because that's, that's God's greatest desire is for us to be like that, right? Uh, oh, that doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, but uh, if Paul is preaching the gospel, now, now, who needs the gospel preached to them? Does the church need the gospel preached to them to get saved? The lost needs the gospel preached to them, amen? Uh, well, are there lost people today? Is there still a need to preach the gospel today? Is there still a need to get people saved today? Then if there's still a need to get people saved today, then how should we preach the gospel? It seems like we should follow the example that the Lord gave to us through the Apostle Paul, right? Because he said through, many, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, uh, so that uh, from Jerusalem and around about Jerusalem, I fully preached the gospel of Christ. So uh, I've just put a note in here that lots of people will partially preach the gospel, right? You know, Jesus died for your sins. Well, that's, that's part of the gospel, right? Uh, but they've failed to mention God will heal your body and deliver you from uh, demonic forces. Uh, see, that would be the whole gospel, right? That's why uh, some churches are called full gospel churches. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine with saying that, that well, we're a full gospel church. But you know, is that, saying a full gospel church, sometimes it's like sticking your thumb in the other guy's eyeball. Yeah. We're a full gospel church, and you're not, right? You are a partial <laughs> gospel church. So, you know, it kind of implies that we're full gospel, so we're doing stuff that you're not. I mean, so, I mean, I'm not interested in, in, in um, being disrespectful to people. Even if they're not preaching the full gospel, that's fine. Uh, you know, that's between them and the Lord Jesus. They don't answer to me. So, so I don't usually uh, uh, qualify our church as being a full gospel church, but in that context, we are a full gospel church, right? If there's miracles, then we do miracles, right? If there's healing, we do healing. If it's uh, casting out devils, we cast out devils. And so um, it's, it's all the above, amen? And that's why it's called full gospel because you know, other churches, you know, they, uh, I, I know uh, I, my neighbor one time years ago, he knew I was a pastor for full church, but he was a good, solid uh, denominational uh, Christian. And, and uh, he said, I, I went up to the leadership of the church one time and said, you know, I'd really like to hear some teaching on healing. 
And, and they said, well, we don't believe that. That's why we don't teach it, you know. And he said, I've been there for five years, never heard a single message on healing. And I want to hear some messages on healing, you know, five years. So that's, I mean, a lot of churches still have three services a day. That's, 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 that's 150 services a, a year, right? Times uh, five years, that's 750 messages, not a single mention of healing. That's amazing, right? Uh, have I ever gone more than like two services ever not talking that God's our healer? Uh, I mean, I'm not teaching on the subject of healing, but it's, it's hard not to say God's your healer. Like every time you get together and talk about how good God is. Uh, and so they, they preach 750 messages, not a single time talking about uh, mighty signs, wonders, and power of the Holy Spirit. So are they preaching, uh, fully preaching the gospel? They're not really fully preaching the gospel, right? Uh, and so it's, uh, uh, I didn't write this. I mean, Paul, didn't Paul write this? Isn't this written to the church? This is written to the church at Rome? So if it's written to the church, aren't we the church? then we should follow his example. And for us to say, well, that's not for us today without any basis for that statement, uh, you know, it's really a, a, a statement of rebellion that we choose not to do it the way the Lord has instructed us to do it. Uh, and and I, I just, I can't find it in my heart to just, I can't imagine reading a verse and go, I ain't doing it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, can you, can you imagine just, just flat out saying, I ain't doing it that way, Lord. Uh, you know, a, a friend of mine, he knew I, w I was a, a charismatic tongue talker. And, and so we were, uh, a few of us were at work one day talking. And, uh, and uh, you know, sometimes people will talk uh, for your benefit, right? They're not talking to you, but they're talking to the other guy so that you can hear them. And so that's what he, he was talking to the other guy. And he said, well I, well, I know speaking in tongues is in the Bible. He said, but it's just not for me. I said, that sounds kind of, you know, uh, nice and, and polite, but really what he's saying is, Jesus, you're the head of the church. You, you established that you wanted the entire church to be Pentecostal and speak with other tongues, but you're wrong, and I know more than you do, and, and I think that it's just not necessary that we do things the way you wanted to do it. Now, of course, we wouldn't say it that way because that sounds really disrespectful, but just because you wrap up rebellion in, in pretty words doesn't mean it's still not rebellion, amen? Just when you say, you know, I'm not doing it, uh, it's still rebellion, amen? Just because you say, well, it's not for me. Um, that, that's fine, rebellious one, right? Oh, rebellious one. Uh, and so if the, if the scripture says that we should fully preach the gospel through mighty signs, wonders, and power, powers of the Holy Spirit, then that's how we should fully preach the gospel, amen? Otherwise, we're only partially preaching the gospel. And if we're only partially, partially preaching the gospel, then that means that we're only partially getting success, amen? Uh, so that means that there's more success out there for the church if we would follow the example that the Lord Jesus gave. So, uh, so Jesus was operating in the power, supernatural miracle work and power of the Holy Spirit. Paul was operating supernaturally in the, in the miracle work and power of the Spirit. Uh, and so it's the same Spirit. So it's a continuation of the ministry of Jesus, right? And, and of course, you go back to Jesus that he said, the work that I do shall you do also. So Paul uh, found out about that through revelation uh, directly from the Lord. You mean I'm supposed to do exactly what you did? Yeah, okay, I'll do that. And that's what he did, right? He just went through and fully preached uh, the gospel there. Uh, and so, he, and he's talking about he did it everywhere. It wasn't just in one particular church. Everywhere he went, that he did these things. Uh, and so uh, the supernatural, the mighty signs and wonders, uh, we know just from reading the book of Acts that many of those mighty signs and wonders that Paul did were in the area of healing, right? How God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul uh, in, in Acts chapter 14. Uh, and so... Uh, so Paul was, was fully engaged in the, the healing ministry. I don't know that anybody was ever as engaged as Jesus was, uh, but uh, as a whole, the church should be, amen? Maybe not any one particular person, but as a whole, the church should be involved in that. Uh, and so let's go back, we're in, in chapter 15, let's go back a few chapters to chapter 8. And I thought it was interesting that, that Dr. McCrossan brought up this particular verse, um, and we'll see why here. He says, uh, in verse 26, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself or really himself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Uh, and so he was, he was discussing this verse in relation to sickness that, uh, uh, that the spirit himself, uh, makes intercession for us, uh, in, uh, 
let's see, no, in the beginning of it, well, likewise the Spirit also helpeth. He was talking about the word helpeth there in, in relation to infirmities. And he was kind of bringing out the point that he's talking about the, that the Holy Spirit helps our infirmities. And we'll talk about why he was saying that here in just a minute. But really, if you look at the context of the verse, it can't be talking about infirmities because it says, likewise, the spirit or sickness, likewise, the spirit helps our infirmities. Or, or let's just put the word sickness there for just a minute. Uh, likewise, the spirit also helps our sicknesses for we know not what we should pray for as we ought to. Well, that doesn't make any sense, right? He helps our sickness because we don't know how to pray. Well, okay, with, uh, he's talking about two different things, amen? And so really what he's talking about, the word infirmities, uh, the, it, it's, the word infirmities is a very common word found in the New Testament, uh, and its general meaning is weakness. So it doesn't, need, doesn't mean sickness, uh, it can mean weakness in, uh, both in your character, uh, but weakness in your physical ability, amen? Or weakness in your ability to do things as you ought to do things. Uh, and so in the context of what he's saying there, that the Spirit uh, helps us because we don't know how to pray as we ought to pray, then what he's helping is your, is your inability or weakness in how to pray correctly. And so do we, with our intellectual mind, know how to pray correctly in every circumstance? No, that's a weakness, right? That means that we're not divine. We don't know everything there's to know. So if we, if we know to pray for somebody or we're going to pray for somebody, we don't know everything going on in our life, you know, unless we have divine intervention and he, he speaks that to us. But if we're just, you know, doing our general prayers and we're praying for family members or praying for children, we don't know what's going on in their life this moment of time or what's even going on in their, in their heart or their mind. Uh, and so that's a weakness. That means we're limited. Uh, and so... In the, in the context of this verse, really the Spirit of God is there to help us, uh, to shore us up when, if we don't know how to pray, then, then, then we know how to pray. Now, oftentimes this is used uh, in the context of praying with other tongues, which is perfectly fine, right? That uh, the nice thing about praying with other tongues, who gives you the utterance to speak when you pray in other tongues? The Holy Spirit does, right? So you reckon the Holy Spirit knows how to pray? You didn't reckon he knows exactly how to pray? I think he does, right? So that's one of the great blessings of speaking with other tongues is to use it in your prayer life. And people say, well, we don't need that. Well, so you, you don't need to pray perfectly, perfect prayers every time? So you're, you're an amazing person that you always pray exactly what you need to pray in English? Wow, you're, you're amazing, right? Uh, well, you're not amazing. You're, you're uh, maybe slightly above average, if anything, right? Uh, and so, uh, no... You have, you have a weakness. You have an inability to pray correctly for every, search, every situation. But it doesn't, it doesn't say that it only is in relation to praying with other tongues. You know, you can pray in the Spirit in English. Amen. You can pray by the unction of the Spirit in English. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be words that you don't understand. The Spirit of God can give you an unction to pray in this area for this person. They're struggling at work. They're struggling, you know, in their marriage or struggling with this or that. The Spirit of God can inform you and give you the revelation for that and inspire you to pray in that area. And that's still praying in the Spirit, amen? Uh, generally speaking, especially when you get to uh, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, when he talks about praying in the Spirit, in the context of that, he's always talking about praying in other tongues with words that, uh, that, you, that you don't know. But he does uh, uh, mention that a little bit at the end of the verse with groanings which cannot be uttered. Uh, and um, P.C. Nelson talked about how that means uh, uttered in articulate speech. And so uh, his, uh, his uh, opinion there is that the, the end of that verse is really talking about praying in other tongues. Uh, and so, uh, but let's just say, just for sake of argument, that this is talking about sickness and disease. Uh, I don't believe it is at all, but, uh, but some people would use this, right? As, well, it's infirmity, it's that sickness and disease. It's a weakness, right? Which could be sickness and disease. It could be a lack of ability, amen? Uh, and so... Uh, and that's really, that's why we study the word, because if you read these words, you're going to make uh, opinions about things without doing any more research, because you're going to think that, well, infirmities always means, you know, cancer or, you know, blood disease or something like that, when you can find other times uh, where it's used in the context that has nothing to do with sickness and disease. So uh, let's be students of the word, amen? Uh, and so that word, in the beginning of that verse where it says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities there, uh, that word helps there uh, is a present tense, right? He helps us right now. So he's, he's a pre, pre, help in present time, right? 
uh, in this very moment that we need it. So he wasn't a help in the past. He, he's not a help in the future. Of course, he is in both of those. But in this verse, he's saying he's a help right now. Uh, but this word help is present tense, but it means to take hold together with against. So he's partnering with us, right? And I, and I like that because it's, it's a help. So he's not just doing the praying for us. He's doing the praying with us. Uh, and so we are, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 9 says that we are laborers together with him. And that's one thing I think the church has really missed out on is understanding that we are partners with the Lord. Yes, we do work for him. We are servants of the Most High God. But he works with us, right? At the, at the, at the very end of uh, uh, Mark 16, at the end of the Great Commission, uh, he, he said uh, after all the things that they were doing, uh, uh, all the uh, Great Commission things that he said, it says in verse 20 that as they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. And so the Lord works with us, right? Uh, so we are laborers together with him. He works with us. Uh, and so this word help is, uh, is to take hold together with. So together with who? Together with us, right? So, so we have our part. Our part is to exercise faith. His, his part is to bring the power in response to our faith. Uh, and so if we don't, have, if we don't exercise faith, then there's nothing for him to hook his power up with. Amen? Uh, and so it's a pretty good deal because back to my, uh, my neighbor there who's talking about healing, uh, you know, he was talking about uh, how, uh, how hard healing is to obtain. And I said, it's really not that hard because I said, God, uh, he, he takes the hard part. You know, he says he wants you to believe uh, and he'll do the healing. And so, uh, so there's two parts to it. So who's got the harder part? Well, God does, right? Because if he said, okay, let's swap, let's swap sides. You do the healing and I'll believe in you. I, mean, I, I got nothing. I mean, you know, wouldn't it be bad if the Lord says, you know, I'm going to take a vacation. You got it. You do all the healing on your, uh, on your own ability and, and, and I'll believe that you've got it. Uh, well, thanks, Lord. Uh, I got nothing, right? Uh, and uh, so I said, you know, the Lord takes the hard part, right? Because that's the way he is, right? The, the greater one in a covenant will always take the hardest, hardest part. Amen? Remember when... when um, uh, when Abraham and Lot had to part ways because they were so prosperous they couldn't stay together. There wasn't enough space for all of their, their cattle and sheep. Uh, and what did, what did Abraham say? You pick. Well, why did he let Lot pick? Because, I mean, he's the elder. Uh, it seemed like he should pick first. And a lot of times, uh, you know, we kind of get all high and mighty. Well, I'm, I'm the more important one. I pick first. You know, you get the dregs or whatever. A person of faith has no fear. You give me a, a flat rock in the middle of nowhere, God will provide water and food. Uh, so you go ahead and pick. And of course, uh, he looked around, saw the green grass of, of sin, uh, and, and that's where he went. I'm going to go pick the green grass of sin. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, Abraham's like, and I'm thinking, thank you that did that, because I'd have to go in the green grass of sin and go get rid of all that sin. That sounds like a lot of work. Uh, and so you go ahead and take that there. Uh, and so um, uh, it's... Uh, uh, it's all good, amen? And so, uh, so Abraham, in the greater one, he, took, he let Lot pick first, and then uh, he was prosperous wherever he went. And of course, uh, you remember when Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah, when the angels went down and got him out of Sodom and Gomorrah, what did he leave with? Yeah, his family and nothing else. Where's all the cattle he had? Where's all the sheep he had? Where's all the prosperity he had? He left his spiritual father, and then lost everything, amen? And a lot of times people will, will, will go out on their own you know, out of rebellion. Uh, I mean, if I was Lot, I'd be like, so uh, I can only stay with you if I have all this cattle? Yeah, I'd, I'd have me a, a big barbecue and eat them all and stay with Abraham. That's what he should have done, right? Uh, free barbecue for the next week. Come and get it. I'm staying with Abraham. Uh, instead, of, instead of leaving Abraham with the cattle and then losing everything, Amen. Now, that's what a wise person would do. Uh, now, you know, Lot had his problems there, but so I said, God picks the hard part, right? He said, you, you do the believing uh, and, and uh, I'll do the healing. And the neighbor said, yeah, but uh, believing is hard too. <laughs> really, is it, is it that hard? I mean, did, did God say that? Yeah, do, do you believe that he meant that? I don't know. Well, why would you not know? How, you think he might've just be pulling your leg? Just kidding. I mean, I said that I was your healer, but not really. I didn't really mean that. I mean, you really, you really think that's a possibility? 
Uh, and so, so some people do that. You know, they, well, it, it, they act like faith is hard. Faith is not hard. Faith is really very simple. You read the Word of God, and you, and you say to yourself, is that so? Uh, did, did God really say that, and did he really mean that? And if the answer is yes, then, then you choose to believe that, right? But, uh, but what happens oftentimes is the Lord will, will, will tell us things, and, and that revelation that it's true comes to our spirit man, and our mind will get involved and go, it can't be so. And our mind will reject the revelation because faith always starts in the realm of the spirit, amen? Faith always starts with a revelation that this is so. And, and, and the Lord taught me this about faith many years ago that makes it really easy. Uh, faith works the same every, every time that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. But how does that work? Well, when you read the word of God, the Bible says the word of God is alive and active, sharp in the two-edged sword, able to divide asunder soul and spirit. And so the Word of God is, has revelation in it because it's alive. And so that revelation comes to your spirit man and says, God is your healer. God is Jehovah Rapha, has always been Jehovah Rapha, will always be Jehovah Rapha. Uh, and then your, your spirit man would say, we should accept that. But then your mind, your will has to make a decision. You have to make a decision. I choose to believe that. You get the revelation and it sounds good, uh, and, then, and then your will has to choose to accept it. So you have to, in be, faith uh, is at the end of the day a decision to get fully into faith, right? The revelation comes to everybody. Every Christian who reads the word of God will get the revelation that these things are so. And then that revelation will come through their spirit man and, and ask their will to accept this as, as truth. And a person of faith will go, oh yeah, it says it. Absolutely, 100%. Easy, right? Once you, once you get into, involved in faith, Believing it becomes easier and easier the more you stay in faith. But a person who, who's on wishy-washy, you know, uh, James talked about being a double-minded man, right? Uh, doubt and unbelief. Jesus said, you know, if you don't doubt in your heart. Uh, and so uh, a, a, a lot of Christians will get the revelation that maybe God's our healer. And they go, they start being like Peter. Start looking at the winds and the storms and go, you know, so-and-so didn't get healed. You know, uh, I didn't get healed from that. Well, you know, so-and-so over there, they died. They were a great Christian. You go, mm, it ain't so. I don't know why it ain't so. But my heart's telling me, my spirit man's telling me it's so. But my mind is saying it ain't so. So you got your mind over here. You got your spirit over here. And your will is in the middle. And your will has to decide which one you're going to go with. And, and if you're not trained to, to operate by faith, your will will go, let's go with this guy over here. And the Lord's like, why are you doing that? He's never helped you. Your mind, your intellect has never helped you obtain anything of, of blessings. Your spirit man has only led you correctly, never led you uh, incorrectly. Uh, and why are you doing with that guy? Uh, why are you going with that guy? Right? And, and, and so that's a good $64 question, right? Why would you pick your mind over your spirit? Uh, and, and yet uh, they will reject the, the revelation of the spirit coming through their spirit uh, and say that ain't so. Well, so, so the, and that's what happens, right? And a lot of people will, Lord, you know, in, uh, they'll be like the disciples, increase our faith. Lord, it's like, I've given you so much revelation, you've turned away. What would you like me to do more? Uh, every time you read the word of God, my spirit man says, my spirit tells you, your spirit, that's so. Every time. And then your mind half the time go, yeah, that ain't for today. Yeah, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one either. Nope, we got to get rid of that. Nope, 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 nope. God is good. Nope. 50% of the time, maybe, but not all the time. Uh, you know, your mind gets involved, or your will gets involved, and is, it hooks up with your mind, your intellect. And your intellect, you know, is not inherently evil, but it's not revelation. Your spirit man is where revelation comes from. Uh, and so, you know, these things, uh, when I read these things, to me, they're simple in my heart. When I look, I go, oh, well, yeah, God's a healer. You know, not, why is that a problem? So it should be the easiest thing in the world. Uh, but then that fellow goes, well, that's hard. Faith is hard. In what way is faith hard? Because they see, they think faith is this thing, right, that they have to somehow, you know, obtain. Uh, and I remember when I first got saved, uh, you know, I got saved and started watching Kenneth Copeland like so many people did, and, you know, and he'll ruin you real quick, right, about faith and uh, just uh, get rid of all that doubt and unbelief out of your heart. Uh, and, um, you know, he's ruined a, lot of, ruined a lot of denominational people over the years. And so, uh, and I'm thinking... You know, I didn't know anything. And I thought, that much faith must be impossible to obtain. Because I, I just thought, you know, he was way up here, and I'm just getting started, so I'm way down here. And how do you get there? 
And then after a while, I realized, well, faith is really simple. Simplest thing in the world. I read the word of God. Is this so? Yeah. Then that's faith. As soon as you say yes and accept it by faith, right? Not just into, oh, yeah, everything God said is so. What about that verse? Well, I hadn't really thought about that one. Well, then you, that's not, you know, you're trying to have blanket faith through your intellect, right? Uh, and um, uh, E.W. Kenyon had some good teaching on uh, uh, head faith versus heart faith. Uh, and a lot of Christians, they, they uh, read the word of God, but they're not, they're not yielding to the spirit man. They're not, they're not, because you should always approach the word of God with your spirit man, right? Allow the spirit of God to speak to your spirit man. Uh, and they kind of ignore that. And so they'll, they'll go through there and there'll be a verse. And they say, yeah, that's so just because it's, it's written. But they're not yielding to the revelation of that. So it's just mental, mental acknowledgement that, yes, that's so. But they're not, see, faith comes through the revelation, right? It, there's a spiritual aspect of faith. It's not an intellectual exercise. Uh, in fact, your intellect doesn't have anything to do with faith. It's only your will has to do with faith, right? Your choice to choose to believe that it's so. Uh, and so a lot of Christians will end up being uh, mentally uh, uh, accepting that these things are so, but never really believing that it's so, right? They'll, they'll accept it from a mental standpoint that, well, yeah, if it says that it's got to be so, but do you believe that, right? Do you believe that, that, uh, that the Lord is your healer? A hundred percent. And so, uh, you know, sometimes that can be a nuance in people's lives and they don't, they don't really understand how to, how to move over into the spirit realm. Right, because Paul talked a lot about the Spirit, just like we said there uh, in Romans 15, that mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. Uh, and so, uh, the Christians should be uh, a, a people that have a very strong relationship with the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God is the the part of the deity that's in the earth. Right, Jesus and God the Father in heaven, but the Spirit of God lives in you. So we should develop a strong, personal, tight relationship with the Spirit of God and expect. When we come to the Word of God, that revelation comes out, right? Supernatural knowledge that we don't obtain by our own intellect, that he, he will just reveal this verse, right? How many times have you read a verse, and you read the same verse, and then tomorrow you read the same verse, and it's completely different, right? You get something out of it that, that you didn't even see yesterday. Well, that's revelation, right? Uh, now, you can look up the Greek word, the, the Hebrew definitions, and do the normal, and that's fine, right? That's, that's part of studying, but you should always study with the, with the intent of obtaining revelation, not with the intent of obtaining information. Uh, and so, so uh, these informities here uh, that the Spirit of God is helping us, it says that uh, it's, it, it, he takes hold together with against uh, our infirmities. Uh, and so uh, if the infirmities is talking about sickness, right, which I don't believe it is, but if it was, then, uh, then the Holy Spirit should be presently helping you against that sickness, right? I mean, if, if he is there to help or to be together with against uh, right now against that sickness, then, th- then that's what he should be doing. So that means he's against the sickness. He's not for the sickness. And so if you say that, well, sometimes God wants you to be sick because, you know, the Spirit helps our infirmities, well, well what, what you're saying, if, if you're saying it according to the way that the Bible was actually written, He's supposed to be there to be helping you together with against that sickness, right? He's partnering with you to be against that, right? Because we're, again, we are laborers together with the Lord. But no, uh, uh, really in context of that, he's really partnering together with you because you have an inability to know exactly how to pray. You don't know what's going on in people's lives. You don't know who, even who to pray for sometimes. And you don't know what's going on in life. You can pray in other tongues, uh, and oftentimes, you know, the Lord will give you an unction to pray for somebody and you just go start praying in tongues for them. And that's fine. Right. But sometimes the Lord will give you an unction and you'll pray it out all out in English. And that that's still the spirit of God uh, helping you uh, in, in that sense of being presently together with against that limitation of yours to know how to pray correctly. Uh, and so. So uh, uh, if, on the other hand, uh, you're a Christian who believes that sometimes God wants you to be sick. Then, then what is the Holy Spirit working together with you against? Uh, if it's an infirmity and it says that he's trying to work together with you against that infirmity, but you want to keep your infirmity, then there's not two people working against an infirmity. Only the Holy Spirit would be working against an infirmity uh, in your life. And, and the Lord says, I, I want a partnership. My plan and desire is to partner with you against this sickness and disease in your life. But if you want to keep that, then a partnership of one is not actually a partnership, Right? Uh, anybody ever been married just to themselves? 
Uh, now, some people think they're married to themselves, right? Uh, but you can't actually be married to yourself, right? It, you need a partnership, amen? Uh, and so it takes two uh, to be married. Uh, and I know science is trying to get, get out of that as much as they can, but it's always going to take two to be married. And so, and, and in fact, you know, well, we won't go into all that other stuff there. It's a bunch of mess right there, right? Uh, and so we'll just get on our soapbox, right? Uh, and so, uh, but I, I really like that word helpeth, right? That, that uh, it's take hold together with against. So anything that, that's a limitation in your life, the Spirit of God is there to help you to, to take hold together with you against that thing, right? Together with you against whatever that, that, that uh, infirmity is. And, and so I like that because, you know, we have a lot of just inherently because we're human beings, we have a lot of limitations. Sometimes we can't press in as hard as we want. Sometimes we can't work as hard as we need to. Sometimes we can't pray as much as we need to. Sometimes we can't study as much as we need to. And if we'll recognize that, then we say, Lord, you know, I've got this weakness about I just can't study more than, you know, more than five minutes, right? I don't want pastor said, I, I just can't do, I can't do series. You know, I can't teach in series, you know. And I'm thinking, I taught series in the same series for four years, you know. Uh, 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 see, that's a, that's a limitation in, in his life. He doesn't have that ability to do that. So does that mean it's, it's not God's will for him to never preach a series of messages in a, in a church? No, it just means that he, ha- he doesn't have that ability. And if he would yield to the Spirit of God, see, the Spirit of God would help him with that. You know, it's perfectly fine to, you know, some people, they stick their head in their sand. And, uh, and I know the, uh, uh, we were reading just the other day, right? Philippians chapter 4 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I can do anything. Yeah, but it doesn't say that you can do anything. It says you can do anything through Christ which strengthens you, right? So if you need Christ to strengthen you to do that, then you have an infirmity, right? You have a weakness or inability to do that by yourself. Uh, and so, you know, it should, it should be normal as Christians that we recognize, Lord, I just, I just can't do that by myself. And, and the Lord's like, well, tell me something I don't know, right? I mean, I've known that for a long time, that you don't have the ability to do that. You're just now getting the memo, right? Uh, and if we would recognize that, but don't stop there. You know, a lot of people say, I just can't do that. And that's where they stop. Instead, what they should do is, Lord, I can't do that. Help me to overcome that, right? Help me to press in. You should never say, I just can't do that, because what you're saying is then there's no helper to help me get out of that. You know, a lot of it happens when people get sick sometimes. I can't overcome that sickness. Well, duh. I mean, when could you ever overcome that sickness by yourself? Right? You should recognize, well, Lord, I can't do that by myself. But together with you, you're going to be together with me against this sickness. Then we're going to overcome this. Uh, and, and that should be fine, right? But I, I know a lot of people, they, they get in their mind about, I can do anything, and they, they forget the God part of it. They just think that in and of themselves they can do anything, and they never recognize their own infirmities. Paul says that uh, the, the Spirit helps our infirmities. Well, then you've got to know what your infirmities are. What, what's your weaknesses, right? What, where, where are you weak in some things? I know some things, after a while, you, you get in faith, and, and, and your faith can carry you through that thing, uh, pretty much just with your faith alone. It's still supernatural, I know, uh, but now we should recognize anywhere that we have an infirmity, well, Lord, you know, you can help me. Amen. You know, my infirmity for years is, uh, you know, when I grew up, uh, I didn't like talking in front of people. I was backwards and awkward and, and, and um, even talking, just talking to people. Just, you know, I know people, they walk in a the room, they own the room. You know, people like that. They can just talk to everybody. And they're so friendly and nice. And people think that I'm so friendly and nice. Well, uh, it's because I have a great infirmity and the Spirit helps me with that. Uh, and I recognize that. You know, my wife, she can walk in a room and just, you just you, everybody's her friend and she, well, she was, she's just that way. I'm not that way. Uh, I have an infirmity in that way. She doesn't have an infirmity right there. She, she's super strong in that. And that's fine. That's who she is. That's who I am. Uh, and I allow the Spirit of God to help me in that. Instead of, instead of, you know, some people say, I'm just not good talking to people. And so what they do, they go hide in the corner. Well, I mean, people need you. Right. Uh, you know, sometimes I think, well, who, who cares what I got to say? Right. And, and that, see, that's an infirmity. Amen. Somebody probably cares what I have to say. Maybe. Right. Uh, but uh, really, uh, the, the what helped me a lot in that is the Lord gave me the revelation. To just care about people. See, if I care about people, then I care about what's going on in their life. I care about what they're doing, what they know. Uh, and it's not that I'm uncaring. It's just my awkwardness would override my, my desire to be good to people and kind to people. And so I would yield to my awkwardness and just not talk to people. Uh, and that's kind of the way I grew up, but, you know, just kind of backwards. And, 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 you know, when I knew that I would go into the ministry, 
even in high school, I started doing things to change that. Started uh, uh, doing things to, to prepare uh, to speak in front of people. Uh, and so, <clears throat> but I, re- I did recognize that as, as, a, uh, as a weakness, amen? Uh, and, uh, and allowed the Spirit of God to help me in that. And so, you know, it's not, and it's not so much a, a problem anymore. I'm, you know, I'm uh, mostly comfortable talking to people. Uh, but if I get into a brand new environment, you know, I don't know anybody, I could walk in and just not say a word to anybody and be happy. I just not even talk to anyone. Just look around. There's Jimbo over there and CGQ over there. And just not say anything and be happy with that, right? Uh, some people, they can't do that. Uh, and so, and that's, that's fine. But see, that's, that's, an infer- that's a weakness, right? It's not a sickness or disease, but it is a weakness. And the Spirit of God will help you uh, in those things. And so recognize that. Uh, and, and don't ever be satisfied staying uh, in your limited life. You know, a lot of people, they just, they just, they're satisfied. Well, I just can't do that, and I'm, so I'm never going to try. Uh, and, and I just, to me, it bothers me, you know, that, that people would just allow themselves to be limited. The Lord says we're all limited, and if you'll recognize where you're limited, the Holy Spirit will be there with you to help you and to get, be together with you against that limitation and allow you to be successful in that. And so... So if you want to be sick, then there's nothing for the Spirit of God to, to help you and, and to uh, take hold together with against that sickness. If, if, he, if you're expecting him to do it, and people will say, well, if God wants me to be well, then he'll, he'll, uh, he'll heal me. Well, then there's, there's nothing to partner with the Holy Spirit on that, right? But if you say, Lord, I'm the healed of God, and the Holy Spirit says, I'm with you, and we'll get through this together. We'll get through this together, and we'll have victory together. Uh, and so let the Lord, uh, let the Spirit of God be your partner in your life, amen, in your faith partner in your life, because that's what he wants to be. He wants to be your faith partner and work together with you, take hold together with you against any limitations that you've got in your life. And, and so you've got to understand that that's got to be in, in the area of your calling, whatever you're called to do. You know, some people know they're called to do something. Lord, I can't do that. And so they don't ever try. But if you know the Lord's called you, just like the Lord's called me to, to be a minister, that would not be my, my normal uh, self, right? The Lord had to, t- to take hold together with me against that uh, limitation in my heart. Uh, and that's okay. Amen. Uh, he, he always wants you to increase in faith. He always wants you to push the limits uh, of, your, of your life through faith. Uh, he wants to take hold together with you against any limitation in your faith. Amen. <clears throat> and so uh, the Lord is good in that. Uh, and so let's, let's turn over uh, real quick to where in, in chapter uh, 8 there. Turn over to, to uh, uh, chapter, well, no, we are in chapter 8. Let's back up to the beginning of chapter 8. <clears throat> and so uh, he said, uh, this verse, it says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Uh, and I remember years ago, there was a, it was a charismatic minister was, was reading this verse, and he said, this is not talking about sickness and disease. And I always thought that was odd because, I mean, it's not talking specifically about sickness and disease, uh, but uh, it does say that, that, uh, uh, that if the Spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, uh, and, and so we know that the Spirit of God is what uh, uh, raised up Jesus because that's what it says, right? And I, and I think a lot about that verse. You know, where was Jesus after he died for three days? He was in hell, right? He was in hell for three days suffering the torment uh, on behalf of us. Uh, and it says that he didn't just raise himself up. He said that it was the Spirit of God raised him up. So in Romans chapter 6, he talks about the Spirit of God is the glory of God. So if Jesus is in hell for three days and, and three nights, and then it's time for him to be resurrected, it says the Holy Spirit, the glory of God, went and, and opened up the doors of the gates of hell, right? Remember, Jesus said he has the keys of the, of the gates of hell. Uh, of death, hell, and the grave, <clears throat> then the glory of God busted open those gates and said, I'm here to get Jesus. You ever flick the light on and roaches fly around? That's exactly what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. The glory of God appeared in hell. All the lights got flicked on and like, run! Right? It's just uh, all those roaches in hell scattered, right? Uh, and, and so <clears throat> that's the glory of God. He said, the glory of God raised up Jesus from the dead. Uh, and I hope that he recorded that on video. I'd like to see that. I want, but I want to see the moment you went down and retrieved uh, the spirit of Jesus out of the grave. I want to see that moment. I want to see what happened 
with all those demonic forces that are there and, and, and tor that were tormenting him, right? You know, one guy's got his arm raised up just about to hit Jesus, and the door's finished, and, and he's like, boys, we're in big trouble, right? I mean, you know, just, uh, and they will suffer for it at some point in the future, right? Uh, and so uh, they will have to pay the price uh, for, for that uh, illegal action they did against the Lord Jesus, who was, who was innocent. Uh, but the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, dwells, does he dwell in you? He said, if the spirit of God dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken uh, your mortal bodies uh, by the spirit that dwells in you. So the word quicken there means to make alive, right? And, and he says, in your mortal bodies. Uh, and now, uh, again, the reason why he, he picked out this verse is because he said one, and he's got it in quotes, one Greek scholar, right? There's a lot of quotes Greek scholars around, right? Oh, yeah, I'm a Greek scholar. Well, why don't you know anything? You never know Greek scholars who don't know anything, right? Well, how come you're so dumb? If you're a Greek scholar, why don't you know anything? Uh, but one Greek scholar stated that, that this quickening is a future event that occurs in the resurrection because mortal here means dead. <clears throat> and so that doesn't make any sense, right? Because he says quicken, uh, that means present tense quicken, right? Quicken your, your dead body. Well, is your body dead? I mean, is it? Is it I mean, sometimes you wonder as a, as a pastor, you're right, did they expire? You're going to want to go check their pulse, right? Oh, they're, they're, they're alive. It's okay, right? I just thought they, you know, they looked like they kind of slumped over, but they were just sleeping, right? Uh, and so, you know, uh, that's, but generally speaking, your body is alive, right? Uh, now, uh, and so it's not actually, you're not walking, we're not zombies, right? All the zombies movies, maybe that's where they get it from, but... Uh, but see, what, what was this Greek scholar trying to do? He was trying to remove the supernatural aspect of God, pushing everything into the future, right? Well, there's no supernatural aspect today, but when we get in the future, there's going to be supernatural things. Well, that's great, but I'm going to be in heaven anyway. Why do I need supernatural healing or any power of God when I get to heaven, right? Uh, and people, are, well, you know, everything's going to be good in heaven. That's great. What about now? I don't know. Hang on the best you can, right? Get saved, hold your breath, and then die, and it'll be okay. Well, that's a terrible, but that's much of the church. That's why they believe, right? Uh, you know, as uh, beggars, we, uh, I can't even think of that song, right? Here we are wandering like beggars, you know, in the cold, in the, in the heat. Uh, and it's just, it's just awful. Uh, it's like, don't, have you never met Jesus? But much of the church, once you get saved, it's going to be sick and poverty, uh, and it's all going to be awful. And then when you get to heaven, it'll be good. Uh, well, that's great, you know. And then, then what, what are you gonna, how, how are you going to preach the gospel? You need to get saved, and the Lord will, will, will put sickness on you. He'll probably get you, and uh, he, uh, you're going to be broke all the rest of your life, but he's a good God. And, and all the world are going, sign me up for that, right? Let me have some of that, right? Who's going to sign up for that deal? Nobody's going to sign up for that deal. And yet, that, uh, how many times has the church been that way, right? Said these things and, and just lied to the world and lied to themselves. Uh, and so... The Greek scholar, why, why do people do that? <clears throat> Anytime somebody is trying to remove the supernatural, I'm suspect of their entire doctrine. Right? When they try to remove that God is supernatural, you know, much of, uh, most of what they say is just blah, blah, blah. Right? There's no value in what they're saying because God is a living supernatural God today. Right? Uh, he does miracles in, in the lives of men today, if you'll choose to believe that. Uh, and so, but, but why was he trying to do that? remove the supernatural aspect of God in the life today, of the Christian's life today. And yet it, the whole verse is talking about the spirit of, of, of the Holy Spirit, right? The, the spirit of, 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 that raised up Jesus, you know, the same spirit that Jesus operated with, that same spirit is living in you and he will quicken your motor body. Uh, and so, yes, it's not talking specifically about sickness and disease, but if you understand the context of that, that the word quicken means to make alive, and the word mortal mean, doesn't mean uh, that dead in the future, it means mortal right now. The word mortal doesn't mean, doesn't mean dead, it means subject to death. So that's, a, that's a, a little bit of a nuance, but it's an important nuance. It means that, that your body could die, but it doesn't have to die right now. Uh, and so that's different than it being dead right now. Uh, there, are the, there are other verses that he talks about being dead, and we won't, we won't go through all those right now. But in the context of this, that the Spirit of God will quicken or make alive your, your death-doomed or your subject-to-death body uh, by His Spirit that dwells in you. Uh, and and this, is, this is a verse that I really like because uh, I, I, I meditate on this verse a lot from the context of 
that the Spirit of God lives in me. And the Bible called that the Spirit of God, he called it two different things. One, he calls it eternal life, and the other one, he calls it everlasting life. And it's really actually the same Hebrew word or the same Greek word for everlasting and, and eternal life. But the everlasting eternal life of God lives in you right now. And, and if you put life and death together, which one wins? Life always wins, right? The, the, uh, when it comes to life of God and the death of the, the enemy of death, life will always win, right? Just like light and darkness. Uh, it doesn't matter how dark it is, if you take the smallest match and turn it on, the darkness can't overcome that light, right? That You will see the light. And if, it, if it's clear, you could see the light from miles away, even if it's a match, right? You could see it a long ways away. Uh, and so <clears throat> uh, the, the life of God will always uh, dispel death. And so I, I'm always aware and thinking about and meditating on, I have supernatural Zoe life of God living in me right now. That Zoe life of God living in me right now, that eternal life, of, which is the Holy Spirit, lives in me right now. It dispels death. All sickness and d- disease is death begun, right? It, if left unchecked by even your natural, uh, your natural immunity, uh, it would kill your body, right? Every germ, uh, you know, there are people that, that, are, uh, that uh, have, uh, um, what's the word I'm thinking? Uh, uh, what's that? Now phobia, but... Uh, Immune, yeah, immunodeficiency, right? They're immunodeficient. Uh, that, that means that the smallest germ would kill them. So they put them in special containers, right? They put them in bubbles or, you know, germ, uh, uh, filter all the germs out because even a small a cold would kill them because they have a, a deficiency in their immunity system. Uh, well, if you have the life of God in you, the Zoe life of God in you, uh, then that will make alive your mortal body. Your body that's, that otherwise is subject to death, the Spirit of God in you, the Lord of God in you, will, will cause your mortal body to be quickened. And you, and you should meditate on that a lot. I'm walking around with Zoe life. I'm walking around with everlasting life. Life dispels death. Life dispels all sickness and disease. That, that Spirit of God in me, that same glory that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in me right now. And it causes my, my body that would otherwise be subject to death on a daily basis it would cause that body otherwise to remain uh, full of life and health. <clears throat> and so we, we should meditate on that a lot. Think about that a lot. You know, I think about that. I just think about that a lot. I'm, I'm, a, I'm walking around with life in me. Eternal life. Everlasting life. Life that is not subject to any death. <clears throat> and, and when my time comes to go home to be with the Lord, I'll just turn the light off. I don't have to die of sickness and disease. I'll just turn the light off and go home, right? To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Uh, and so... You should, you should meditate on this verse a lot. Uh, we'll finish up. Uh, we'll just stop there for now. We'll pick this up. Uh, we've got a little bit more to talk about this verse. But this is a good verse right here, right? And so we'll finish it up next week. And then we'll, we'll um, we've got some questions, right? At the end of each of these uh, reasons, uh, I think, let's see, we've got uh, six questions, right? So we've got six questions in this section. So it's not a written test, but uh, it's healing school, right? So we have to have some kind of questions, right? And so uh, you've been healing school now for nine years. That's, that's two PhDs, right? Uh, and so we should all be super smart when it comes to healing. Amen. But let's pray and thank the Lord for, for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me this very moment, this second, Father. That he, he partners with me, Father, and helps me uh, together with against any sickness and disease that's in my, my mortal body, my otherwise subject-to-death body, that your spirit will always work together with me. That as long as I choose to, to believe in faith, there's something for him to hook up with. And so, Father, we thank you that we don't have to obtain healing on our own, uh, on our own faith even, Father, that you help our, our inability to obtain the blessings of heaven as long as we choose to walk in faith. And so we thank you for these things, Father. We thank you, Father, we can live in divine health all the days of our lives. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. And uh, Dr. McCrossan actually quotes from John, John Calvin. So we'll talk about that next week. I'm not a generally a big fan of John Calvin, uh, but um, <clears throat> he did say one good thing, so we'll read them. Uh, hopefully it wasn't the only good thing he said, but uh, we'll read the one good thing that was quoted in this book. Amen. Uh, so praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. Uh, <clears throat> is the Lord good? He's good. Amen. Uh, and uh, is he our healer? He's always our healer. Amen. Do we have a right to live in divine health? We do because he lives... Uh, in in us, Amen. Uh, and so, let's uh, um, 
uh, Jared come ahead and receive the offering. Uh, and um, uh, let's see, this, uh, this Wednesday, we've got a uh, special treat for you. Um, a, uh, a missionary by the name of Nigel Burroughs, who actually is from uh, Ireland, but he travels all over the world. He, I think he was in 50 countries last year. Uh, and he goes into some hard places. You know, when, when, uh, you remember when the, the earthquake in Nepal happened several years ago? Uh, and there was just a disaster, natural disaster. He went in there and, and was preaching the gospel to folks and also providing some assistance where he could. Uh, but uh, we've known him for many years, and um, <clears throat> uh, this, this ministry supports him as a missionary, and he'll be with us actually Wednesday night uh, in speaking to us. So uh, if you get a chance, come out, and, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy the service, right? And so uh, he's got a, a good... Uh, British accent, so which means that he's really important, right? Because British people, they, they all sound important, right? Uh, and so, uh, but he's a good fellow, so he'll be here with us on Wednesday. And so uh, be blessed and, and uh, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you later.